Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. What's going on, Ram Nation? Back again for Season 2, Episode 9 of the Black Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein alongside Caleb Jones, the stat monster, our historian for VCU basketball, Connor Bailey, and the professor, Chris Mason. And of course, each week on the show, we release a new episode on Spotify, iTunes, and the free Odyssey app, and we are proudly presented by River City Roll. Chris, don't call River City Roll just a bowling alley. A lot more to do there. You got pizza, you got wings, you got uh, the heated patio that we were at last week, and they have live entertainment. Yeah, great music. Um, You guys have been there too. Dogs are going to start coming back once it gets warm. Absolutely. And this is a basketball podcast, but mentioning River City Roll, we should let everybody know about the best deal in town. Anytime there's a football game on, $10 pitcher of River City Roll beer. $10 $10 pitcher. Anytime there's a football game on, Stat Monster. Yeah, it's a good place to go. Love to catch any sort of game there, and uh, bowling's not too bad either. Speaking of football, guys, it's about 5 p- or five twelve p.m. on Wednesday the 10th, and there was an alert that it said Nick Saban is retiring as head coach of Alabama. Wow. Swear to God, that just came on the ESPN bottom line. So uh, if you guys aren't focusing on the news and you listen to our pod in the next 24 hours, yeah, apparently Nick Saban's retired. Breaking on the so, air. <laughs> I, wow. I tried to – Chris to look at it, but we were trying to pay attention. Hey, I, I only have to press two buttons for us to get live on the actual radio. <laughs> yeah, Maybe we should cut into Grant and Danny. Uh, but of course, conference play is underway and fully into gear as the Rams hit the road to Philly for a battle with LaSalle this Saturday. But we do need to start by recapping what went wrong in the two home losses since the last time we did the podcast. Caleb, what happened against St. Bonaventure? Lack of defense, uh, great execution on St. Bonaventure's part. I mean, I thought they looked really tight uh, throughout the entire game. Um, and you can tell that they were experienced, the most experienced team in the A-10. And, it, um, you know, they just looked like a well-oiled machine, and we could not stop them when we needed to. They came ready to play. We didn't. Uh, something When we had our podcast last week, it was, it was Tuesday. It was the day before we played uh, St. Bonaventure. And, you know, I, I kind of lamented on the fact that uh, about Chad, Chad Venning was going to eat us alive. And, I mean, he was a baller all night. I mean, we had <laughs> – if Jalen Deloge couldn't guard him last year, our our younger uh, sophomores, uh, one of which is Toby, who I love, is, is very small, though. I mean, Venning kind of ate him alive. And he also was – I mean, that the shot at the end of the half, he, they were feeling it. Um, but kind of like what Caleb said, Bonaventure, you know, was hitting threes. They were 12 of 22 from three-point land. And it was weird. 11 of those 12 threes they, they shot – Touched nothing but net. Yeah. One, they had one rattle in, but other than that, I mean, our de- VCU's defense was not good against Bond. I'm not even going to act like it was. That was a night. Bonaventure, they they were in the zone. And then they you know they scored 89 points against us. And then what was it, 54 against Richmond? It was in the 50s against Richmond on Saturday, so yeah. go figure. But, uh, yeah, we were not ready to play in our first A-10 game. They were. And um, 
that's why they kind of just uh, took it to us. Yeah, no, I, I hate to say that uh, VCU didn't show up, but that's what they admitted after the game. Zeb Jackson said they wanted it more than us. Uh, but I thought, what is it, Mark Schmidt, right? Coached yes. a heck yeah. of a game. I mean, there's 30 seconds left, and they're up by double digits, and he's calling plays, screaming at people. I, I thought he had a, a couple incredible play calls after a timeout and then another one on an out-of-bounds play where they got an alley-oop, and that's just great coaching. And, look, they took advantage of our weak defense. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, well, just going back to what you were saying about Schmidt, uh, I mean, just veteran moves consistently throughout that game. We went on a bit of a run. He calls a timeout, schemes up. Just a beautiful play to Chad Venning. Push, push the lead right back. I think it was right at the beginning of the second half. Yeah. And, you know, I think we cut it to like five or, or seven or something like that. Chad Venning bucket, and then they go on like a six-point run. It's back to double digits. It balloons to 19. Yeah. Um, you know, it never really got close. And uh, that was the most disappointing part of it to me. Um, just because St. Bonaventure did and got all the buckets they wanted. So, um, yeah. I mean, at least we could say we were correct to be – very afraid of Chad Venning and his big body uh, against the Rams' big men, but I did not expect the Bonnies to shoot 12 of 22 from the three-point line. I mean, Connor, how frustrated were you, man? It was a bummer, man. I mean, they, they had a couple of back-breaking back breaking threes in the first half. Daryl Banks hit two at the end of the shot clock. Yeah. It's a line drive shooting three guy, too. I mean, it's – And he like, gets, he gets, good, uh, he gets yeah, he, good jump yeah. on his shot. So, um, you know, we had a couple couple plays where – you know, there was probably t- twice in the first half, and I want to say twice in the second half, where you kind of felt like – we cut it like eight or ten, but we just never never really got in the we, – we were never in that game. I and It wasn't like it, it wasn't like Dayton two years ago where they beat us by 30 and you could have heard a pin drop in there. And it wasn't like that. We just never really got closer than 10, and um, – you know, part of it was our, our personnel. You know, it looked like we weren't ready. Um, I think our coaching staff made some substitution patterns I didn't love. I mean, Toby only played, I think, or excuse me, Kwani Kwani only played 11 minutes in that game. And look, I understand he's not an elite, elite defender. He was three for three from three. I, I thought that was strange. He didn't play much in the second half. We needed some scoring. Yeah, um, I can I can provide yeah. some insight on that from the post game press conference. From speaking with Ryan Odom, it, it felt very much like he made his rotations in the St. Bonaventure game. Nothing to do with how you were doing all on the offensive side of the ball, how you did defensively. Zach asked him from Richmond Times-Dispatch, hey, Kwani Kwani was 3 of 3, and he said, yeah, but then he gave up two straight threes, and I had to take yeah. him straight out. Yeah, straight it was out. right at the beginning of the second yeah. half, I think. And so, yeah. I mean, that's were, all it was. There and, were backbreakers, like Yeah, said. I mean, he also said, and I totally believe this, that every guy on their team played slightly below their average. I mean, you look, Sholga had seven points in that game. Joe Bamisil had five. Guys that we were counting on, like Toby Lawall, had four, you know, so yeah. everybody played below their average, and St. Bonaventure shot above their average. Conversely, all of their starters were in double figures. I mean, they they played like Connor said, just their absolute A game. Asa Esamvu, I mean, going four for five from three. <laughs> he, I mean, he's not much of a volume shooter, and of course, he just comes in and and lights us up like like he did last year. Yeah, he had so, a big one with like three minutes left in that game too. Yeah, I mean, uh, and and Mike Adams Woods just had a, I mean, he had a really good floor game. 10 for 12 from the free throw line, just a really savvy, savvy game from him. Yeah. So um, it, what makes matters worse is they go to U of R. And like like, like you are saying, too, I mean, it was just they drop a stinker on offense, and it's like why can't we have that, that, that defensive performance I mean, that U of R just had? Neil Quinn was a good matchup, though, for Chad Venning, right? That's, He's that's got the size. Yeah. And also I thought with Richmond's slow-it-down pace offensively, it would force St. Bonaventure to speed it up. Like, I wasn't shocked at all Richmond won that game. I Like I said last week, I think the A-10 is going to really beat each other up this season. Chris, what did you think, man? 
Um, I was just going to relay that fun fact I saw that they, it was the first A10 opener they ever lost in, a, yeah. in crazy. 12 years. It was just in case people yeah. don't have Twitter. Yeah, and then matters <laughs> got worse to get uh, worse against George Washington. GW comes in. Um, Chris Caputo, head coach, had never beaten VCU, gets his first win, 84 to 82. A lot of that was thanks to <clears throat> the clutch shooting of James Bishop. But what frustrated me is it felt like we didn't have a good enough scouting report on Maximus Edwards. Strange, because he was wasn't he freshman of the year last year? Maximus, or he was at least he's first, definitely first. He's team. definitely first team all freshman. Uh, it might, might have been Richardson for Florida actually. Uh, to my analysis on GW, I was you know bottom answer that game stunk. I mean, there's no way around it. I was disappointed in GW because, and I was saying this, I was sitting with Caleb at the game, and I was saying it the whole time I was like, there was nothing that GW does has done in this game that is surprising me. I know how they right. play. They can score. I mean, they, they're a good scoring team. They were a good scoring team last year. They finished seventh in the AHN last year, a top-half team. But I know James Bishop's game, and it, I mean, he draws a lot of fouls. I mean, he's 12 or 14 in the foul line. Uh, Garrett Johnson, who I said in our pod last week, cancer survivor, guys, the guy can hoop. He was two for two from three. Maxim, Maximus Edwards, first-team all-freshman last year, guy can hoop. So nothing GW did surprised me, and that's why I was so frustrated because, I, I mean, what was it 81 percent in the second half gw shot we had one stop in the final like seven minutes and was that tur- that gift turnover that buchanan had, had done the stretch yeah i mean look you gotta give them credit <clears throat> they did good against buchanan he was coming off a game where he scored 38 i believe they held him to nine uh but you're right outside of that they kind of did what they wanted to do and um it's frustrating i mean akinbola had the, the massive block at the rim on that's a, that a good block on, uh, I'll say that. joe bamisil and it felt him. like it felt like in the entire game Everybody on VCU was scared of that happening, them getting blocked and stuff like that, rejected. Joe didn't care, but we played scared, it felt like. Yeah, our, our block rate on Kimpom uh, is is incredibly low on offense. Um, so, I mean, meaning that we we hardly ever get blocked. Um, I forget what the rating is. I'd have to look it up. But, yeah, it, it definitely felt like we were avoiding stretch, as they call them. 23rd in the nation and yeah. not getting blocked per blocked like percentage yeah we're 28th in the nation in block actual defensive right. block percentage yeah, so. so we're doing good things block wise <laughs> right, and right. i thought we played much better offensively against gw and heck we started that game diving on the floor getting the loose balls hustling our ass off and then it just kind of disappeared a little bit towards the end of the first half frustrating man that that end of the first half was i mean we, we made a couple of buckets late but uh overall i just i was disappointed because i it wasn't a night like bonaventure couldn't miss I GW didn't do anything in my opinion that surprised me, and that's why I was frustrated. Another big frustration: we played poor defense for about thirty-nine. Our first seventy-nine minutes of a ten play had a great defensive possession to close the game, and James yeah. Bishop throws up some loop and shot. Which where we were sitting, you know, I was sitting behind the VCU bench. I, I couldn't tell it went in because there was a GW player that was going for a rebound, and he he almost touched the net. And then there was a then there was a whistle because so, they called a timeout. So there was like four things that went. I I, I couldn't even I tell. I thought he airballed. I, I was confused that it went in, but when I mean that, that was hand. It looked like it should have been an airball. He didn't do any of yeah. his normal it good. shooting yeah. form. It was one of those shots. It's like hey, you know, it's like it's like in baseball you throw a ball, throw a ball on ninety nine miles an hour and a guy gets a, a little single off it. You're like all right, you, you, tip tip your cap, you know. Yeah, I, uh, Stat Monster. I want to get your take on this. I was a little frustrated with the. Design for the game tying shot. Zeb Jackson went one on one, took a step back three, missed it. Luckily, Bamisil got the rebound and put it back in. But we've seen ourselves in this situation several times this season where we need a big bucket, and I I hate a step back three. Yeah, and it kind of feels like it's been Zeb taking that step back three, which uh, you know he's statistically not even close to being our best shooter. Uh, and that to me is kind of a personnel thing, but it also seems like 
uh, Odom has been frustrated with some of those shots. If you remember back to oh, the yeah. Orlando mm-hmm. tournament, and we had a shot to beat. Was it Boise State Boy- at the end? Was, uh, we were down three. We could have tied yeah, it against right, Boise. Right, right. And Zeb was he, he just he got he got froze and took a, a, bear, a bad shot. Sometimes it seems like the so, guys are not executing what he's. I, I was going to say I think it's more of an execution issue than what Odom's calling. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, the second half, just to kind of recap a little bit, was just it was so painful to watch. And I didn't honestly, I never really felt like we wouldn't pull that game out until there was like. Three minutes left. Like we're down, like, we're oh, down three crap. or five. Look <laughs> I mean, we'll at the you're, stats. You're thinking, hey, they can't score nine possessions in a row, and they did, though. Yeah. I, yeah, seriously. And they went 80% from the floor in the second half, 71% from three, and they hit 12 free throws. And, I mean, there it is right there. Yep. Just cannot get a stop, and that uh, that can't happen. But the Rams would rebound and respond during their first true road test of the season in Fairfax, Virginia, Eagle Bank Arena, home of the George Mason Patriots, who have not won a home game against VCU since what year? 2016. 2016 I was yep. there. Melvin Johnson broke the three-point record at VCU. I was there, and we lost and stunk. <laughs> yep, but VCU goes to Fairfax and comes away with a 54-50 to win. Uh, many thanks to Zeb Jackson. Same situation. But he nails the shot. Total no, no, yes shot. <laughs> great shot, great shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, no. Oh, all right, yeah, okay, sweet. Um, yeah, I mean, props to Zeb, shooter mentality. <laughs> he had an open shot, took it, hit it, um, which was huge. And defense down the stretch, defense all game. Obviously, we'll get to it, but wow. Yeah, I mean, Connor, where's your mind at when you watch this team score seventy five and give up eighty for two straight games, and then it's a fifty fifty battle. So from a uh, coaching perspective, uh, it was clear Michael Bell's minutes just went way up. Yeah. Um, prior to the first, I think he played one minute against Bonaventure and four against UW or, or vice versa. Forty-four seconds against St. Bonaventure. Okay, that's yeah. yeah it's yeah, it was minimal. Yeah. Uh, he, and then he, um, then he plays twenty-one minutes against Mason. What's played up? seven minutes uh, the past three. And he, yeah. he, he barely seven played against the past three games. He barely played against Gardner Webb. Yeah. And then there's questions like, is he banged up or something? But re- regardless, he yeah. obviously was healthy yesterday. Something I, I'll say with Bell, I, and I love. I mean, he, our our friend Matt Shelton's you know, limited on Twitter a couple times. He's built – he's a VCU player. He's built like Trevion Graham, Bradford Burgess. And, and I love watching Michael Bell play. I, I think Odom – and we'll see how the next, you know, few weeks kind of go. I, I, I wonder if he is going to look at this and accept the offensive growing pains for great defense. And you, Bell doesn't need to play 30 to 35 minutes a game, but he, I think he needs to play 20 minutes a game because he's so good defensively. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah totally. He has to play. Yeah, I mean, you got to take the good play. with the bad. Like, he had the one play where he dribbles off his foot. He had yeah. two turnovers yeah. for the game, but he had two steals. He had a block, and he was able to shut down Keyshawn Hall in the second half. I mean, we talked about this last week where Ryan Odom clearly has a problem. A lot of coaches would say it's a good problem, but he has too many guys that he needs to play and find minutes for. You got zero minutes from Fats Billups, mm-hmm. but you got 20 really productive minutes from Michael Bell. It's, it's all about finding balance at this point. And I think that guys like Bearstow and Bama still, Bearstow is still knocking off for us, in my opinion. Bama still had I don't two think he's points last healthy. game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. That's that's what I mean by Rust. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, he's, he's still ramping back up to 100%. Men- mentally, too. In sure. General. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 this game, especially at this level, is played at such a fast pace. And, I mean, even though you're out there playing and having a good game against Maryland Eastern Shore, it's still it's not the same when you're get when you're at this level. But um, you know, Bearstow, Bamisil, I think the offense will come. So uh, you have to have that linchpin on defense, though. I mean, otherwise you see what happens. 
Bonaventure, George Washington. So, so speaking of defense, what you say, and you know, it's been all through Twitter and everything. Mason went over 15 from three last night, and they came into that game. I think it was 22nd or 23rd in the nation in three yeah. point percentage. Yeah. So first off, I thought our three point defense was great in the first half. I think they had one open look, and um, Darius Maddox can hoop. He's a baller, a Virginia Tech transfer. I think he had three occasions where he was just run off the three-point line, took a few dribbles, shot a fadeaway 18-footer, and, I mean, barely got rim. And that's great defense. Now, the second half, Mason missed some wide open ones. There's no, no, doubt, no doubt about that. But I will say, when you're – we've all played sports. Uh, and basketball is – in this example, basketball, if you have a game where you just cannot hit a three because great defense or you're not making it, that's – you got to credit BCU there because it was clearly in Mason's head that they couldn't make three. I mean, some of their attempts in the second half, they had one – Hit straight backboard. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, and that's a uh, good shooter too. Yeah. Uh, no, well, actually, I, ha- I have to disagree with you on that. Bill upside, he hasn't, he doesn't shoot well at all from three. That would be close. He's the one that clipped the backboard. Maybe I'm just saying but, that because there was a Mason fan behind me who, when that shot goes up, he goes bang, and then it went bang off the side of the backboard. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, that's no, fine. Bill upside, I don't think is a good shooter. In polite, he's not a great three point shooter either. He's fine. Their, their yeah. best three point shooter is Maddox and Keyshawn Hall. And I think that we did a really good job on the two of them. And putting the ball and making those the other guys, the supporting cast, shoot the threes, that's great. I mean, that's that's a good defensive game plan. So yeah. I mean, uh, hopefully that was an emphasis. My, my Mason friends told me that Keyshawn Hall has gotten a bucket all season long with that spin move. Yep. And Michael Bell had it covered. I, was just, I, I watched the game with my friend Zane last night. Um, he came over. And I, I think that the, the, the defensive strategy – on him is out. I mean, when he goes to make that spin move and he's blindly spinning backwards, if you have a guy double down and, and dig in on that, you can rip him a lot. Yeah, and so. one of the guys that doubled down at one point was Jason Nelson. He yep. had it's, two, it's two of the most biggest buckets in the yep. game. The one the right before half a layup and then one in the second uh, second half where he went up and under. My goodness, Jason Nelson's playing good basketball. Nelson had a very good game, and he was at GW. Bonavent, he had, I think it was GW. He, 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 didn't have, he didn't have his best game against GW. Um, he had a huge, kind of an unsung hero last night against Mason. You because his stat line wasn't. I mean, yeah, we scored seven. we scored fifty four yeah. points. <laughs> Not a whole lot of stat lines yeah. in that game were great, but kind of an unsung hero. He made the big play where he got a steal, a fast break, gets gets to the. This is with nine minutes to go. We're down two. Gets to the gets at the top of the key. Sees it trailing Shulga. Kicks it to Shulga. Shulga hits a three. We take a one point lead. So Nelson had a good game. Brought some energy. And Bam only played what eleven minutes. And I think that was kind of a decision Odom saw. Hey, we still have offense with Nelson, but hey, we can use our use his defensive prowess too. Um, last night, rock fight in Fairfax, but I'll tell you, man, uh, pissing Mason fans off with just constantly beating them. They're our little brother, man. It's, it's fun. So yeah. I, I look, we're one and two in the A-10. It's better than I, I, I tweet. You guys saw my tweet last night. I imagine that felt like a se- season saving win. Yeah. You, you lose a close rock fight. And you're zero and three. Look, we, we still could have come back and won a few games, but that was a huge, Going to LaSalle one and two is a lot different than going to LaSalle one three. No, I, I disagree about season saving. Season saving. <clears throat> I like that from you, but uh, I disagree. But I do think this is a momentum building win that Fair. could lead right. to a and win I think streak. That, yeah, you have to piece together, especially right now. You almost have to manufacture uh, momentum like this. And I think that once we start clicking a little more on both sides of the ball, uh, this team's gonna just. Continually improve and get a lot better. Last thing I wanted to say about that game, really productive minutes from Kwani Kwani at the center position. Mm-hmm. We talked about this at the beginning of the season, you know, and even last week when I said, are we soft inside? Furman wasn't playing great. Toby Wall got into foul trouble. 
and they had to go to Kwani Kwan. Actually, Furman was a bit of an injury there. Uh, but I heard he they, was sick on on Twitter. Apparently, he wasn't feeling well. Too. It was definitely he was holding his knee at one point. Yeah. Um, from yeah, my it looks like he got a Charlie horse. Yeah, but yeah. but Kwani Kwan, he blocked a shot. Mm-hmm. He had a good rebound. Uh, I thought him and Barstow were like a really decent four or five together. Yeah, that's solid. I, I thought Barstow played pretty well. Um, eight rebounds led the team, which was which was good to see. I mean, even though he wasn't scoring like he'd like to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's what good players do. They find a way to positively impact the game like Bearstead did there. Absolutely. So we do have two home games to get a crowd rating from The Professor. Time's up, and The Professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. Woo! How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason. Crowd rating. All right, so it was a late tip, 9 p.m. during the day. Um, I was, like, thinking back to childhood. It would be the Maryland Terps against Duke at, like, 9 p.m., and I'd be, like, eight years old trying to stay up. So I was like, maybe I'll be hyping there. Um, Got in there. It was still wasn't full, but there's still a good amount of people that showed up. There was a lot of times, like, the most I've ever seen in a game, like, the crowd was like, all right, let's go, let's wake up collectively, and then the Bonnies would make a shot, and everyone goes like, ah, oh. you hear, like, an exhale, and you sat down, and that happened, like, four times that game. They just couldn't get a stop. So, I mean, given the tip time, I'd say that's an A. And then GW, there's a lot of, like, kids around. I'm <laughs> Like, little kids. Rascals. Like, rowdy in the student section like little elementary school kids like screaming the top of their lungs um there's another cool thing like the massey cancer center had all these like letters that spelled out massey um in the corner one of the suites um so i'd say that's an a2 it was a exciting pretty loud that last second shot like the last two minutes where it was like um the game when he shot and then the like half court heave yeah. So and the, there's a big um, the almost four point play too. The crowd is super into it. It's a big like oh man like when it rolled out. So almost I'd point. say yeah, great performance from the crowd. A both of them. Yeah, we we got to give the Peppas credit. That was high school band night and they were rocking. It was the loudest you know the band has been all season. They just did an excellent job. Um, I, I think with both these games, um, Chris, it felt like. Where Connor sits, where, where Caleb sits, which is 50-yard line, and then on both sides of that, it was always good energy. It's always the student section that, uh, you know. I forgot they're not back yet. So. Yeah. And also, yeah, there's like 12 tubas in the band. I thought the, the crowd for the GW game was awesome. Maybe our best of the year. I mean, Cr- crappy weather, too. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I GW about showed that, up, yeah. too. They had a good section there. I, I didn't even notice them yeah. because, honestly, I thought our crowd was very good. It was good. Um, yeah. Just very engaged, loud, pretty full. Um, Except that guy behind us, dude. That guy's he that guy was sitting in the row behind us. He was like hurting my ear. He was like, put Toby in. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like, like, dude, the dude has three fouls. Like, hey, the first I love time. it. Yeah. I love it. But yeah, yeah. more more noise the better. Yeah. I'd bring it. What know. about you at Mason last night? Oh man. They uh they have the same issue as us with the student section. I mean, one side was all VCU. Next to their band was literally all VCU, no students. One side, decent amount of fans. Um, you know, they do a decent job of packing the place. Not that good. I mean, I, I was telling my friend, like, that building is awesome for a high school basketball regional final. Like, I've been there for that, and it is bumping like crazy. You know, it's Hayfield against Chantilly or something like that. They never got to that level for Jason, George Mason 
even when they're at their best, I feel like, um, because there's so much things to do in Fairfax, and also a lot of people in that area support the Hoyas or Maryland um, or UVA or Tech, um, and it's going to take some time to build this program back up under Tony's skin. Uh, but what I will say is, Man, that building, the way it's designed, though, it gets loud. Did it feel loud on TV? Even though it wasn't that filled, it's because it's so vertical, right? You kind of just walk straight up the stairs. It's steep, and yeah. it's two levels. Okay. It was loud. Can I answer first? Yeah. Yeah. No, you can answer no first. it did not sound loud. <laughs> uh, I, was, uh, I will concur. It did not sound <laughs> not loud. Sound loud but also, maybe it was bad yeah, audio. Like, yeah. like apparently, yeah. the ESPN Plus feed at VCU sounds like it's out of a summer. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of Tony Skin, man, you guys know I'm a sucker for a well-dressed college basketball coach. Like, Anthony Grant, you know, his muscle, you know, he's just real fit. Tony Skin's a well-dressed man. Oh, and I, he really impressed me with the way he, he spoke in the, in the he press was, conference. He was, yeah. pumped, I mean, he was pumped up as a coach. I respect it. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, li- I like that Tony Skin, you know, I grew up watching Tony Skin when I was younger. I like that he's back at Mason. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's great for the program, great for the conference. He respects the rivalry, too. Yeah, like, definitely. Like he said in that uh, question you had for him, yeah. Skin. Yeah, you know what? Let's play a clip from Tony Skin after VCU defeats Mason. I mean, it means everything, you know, it means everything. And, you know, I had to kind of tell my guys all the time, regardless of who we play, um, you know, we got to keep our poise, um, especially as, you know, this building continues to grow and people continue to come our games. You know, that atmosphere, some, sometimes it speeds you up to play uncharacteristically. Um, and, and even though I'm, you know, relaying that message to my guys, I had to give myself a pep talk just because, you know, VCU does mean something to me. Um, you know, this was, as good of a of, of a game, as good of a rivalry as it you know as it gets in this region, in this state, um, in our league at the time, and you know that's just something. Regardless of what anybody thinks, um, anytime we play VCU, you know it's, it's going to be a dogfight, um, and and you know hopefully we'll have um, you know many more chances to come. Now let's hand it off to the stat monster, Caleb Jones. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the stat monster. The stat monster segment today will be short. (laughs) I'm totally flummoxed by the volatility of this team on both sides of the ball. We can't play defense to save our life. Now we can't play offense. So what's it going to be? Can we put together a full game? Yesterday, Connor and I were just kind of having a sidebar conversation, and there's three things, three areas of improvement. Outside of the group chat? Outside of the group chat. We, we do that occasionally. We do yeah, that occasionally. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, like, we can't bother these guys it was, too it was, much. This is, pre, this is pre-podcast. On, on this, is, this is pre-podcast. Chris, how yeah. do you feel about that, man? Well, we have our own betting one with Florida State, Mike. Oh, we do. <laughs> yeah. uh, so y'all got your own, too. We do okay, have all right. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Good, good to know. Now Connor and I don't feel bad. All right. Um, but it, very broadly, I was just like, all right, first off, we got to play better D. This was before the Mason game last night. Uh, Mason proceeds to go 0 for 15 from three. We post an 82.8 adjusted defense, adjusted defensive efficiency per Bart Torvik, which is our best of the season. I don't think anyone obviously was surprised by that being our best defensive performance. Um, but it's nights like that. I'm not saying you force someone to go 0 for 15 from the three-point line, but we got to lock in better defensively. And just I feel like we were switching screens, Max Shulga, Sean Bear. So I felt like we were hedging screens more. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we typically do hedge screens, but the way that uh, particularly on uh, Darius Maddox, I think Shulga got around the screen. He fought through it, which is an effort. It's a mentality. 
and I thought that that was there last night. They locked in defensively because George Mason is a pretty talented offensive team. They're uh, 112th in offensive efficiency, according to Torvik. Um, so, you know, I mean, they're almost a top 100 team. So for them to score 50 points, I mean, that's that's great outing. Um, the, other, the other two things I said to Connor, I said we need to start winning close games. Bart Torvik has a close game metric, and I have referenced this before, but I'm going to bring it back up. Uh, after last night, we are 283rd in the country, so it was worse before the Mason game. Um, so we're 2-5 and five in close games. Um, so we need to figure out how to close in crunch time. George Washington, that did not happen. That game was there for the taking. Norfolk State. You can look down back to Orlando, and it's the same story. We were up 15 on Iowa State, who, oh, yeah, beat Houston last night. I mean, Boise State beat Colorado State last night. You got to win these close games. Find a win, a way to do it. Yeah. Last year, an Ace Baldwin-led team, we did exactly that. The third thing, and this remains to be seen, is reestablish home court advantage at the Stew. I mean, we do not win at home anymore. I th- how many games have we lost at home? Four, five, five. I mean, I th- I think the record is seven in the, a season Rhodes, since we Rhodes opened for, it. Rhodes' first year lost seven, which I think broke the re- one of Max years. They lost five. So Rhodes' first years. They lost seven. Five of them were against NCAA teams. But, like, we've, we've lost to some teams. We, like, straight up, Norfolk State and GW shouldn't come to our house and beat us. I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah, no, Precisely. We, I mean, so it be should be a three. In the, in the DMV. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we got to protect uh, Under Armour, protect this house. And it used to be such a hard place to play, and I just don't see it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we got to get back to But hold on, though. You just gave the crowd rating an A for both games. Yeah, the crowd did their part. Yeah. The guys have to get comfortable, and I think and we, you know, we kind of kicked this idea around a little bit. There's a little less pressure going on the road right now, and it's not to say you know the crowd, the fans should like back off and like not be loud. No, but it's uh it's it's very interesting because it felt like even back in the CAA days we would lose two, maybe three tops or zero conference home games. So. Um, so are yeah. you saying at home we're just there's too much expectations to win 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 on yep. the road there's no expectation yes exactly so uh, between playing better defense winning close games reestablishing our home court advantage I think that those would be major improvements and uh, obviously help our record in a ten play in our uh, sidebar text conversation from I think it was Monday or Tuesday whatever day it was I specifically said I was like hey maybe on a road game at Mason the guys can relax a little bit so to kind yeah, of back no, what you're I mean, saying totally. so uh so I will say that one thing to back up your stats and and Ken Palm's very good source early conference play it's it's the conference only statistics are so volatile usually by February they kind of relax I will say with just one game change, so we played three games. Some teams like have only played two at this point. But I will say, entering the Mason game, we were 15th in defensive efficiency, effective field goal percentage defense, and three-point percentage on defense. We're now 12th, 11th, and 11th on those. So that's a damn improvement. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> like it is. One, again, yeah. again, very volatile early in A-10 play. Wait till about February when those stats. But like playing one very good defensive game changed that that much. I mean, so. yeah, jumping two spots, is that's a big yeah. – three spots, that's a big difference. So. Um the last thing that I was going to say is, uh, per Torvik, if our adjusted D uh, performance is above 95, then we, we've lost all of those games. So if you're not, not going to stop people, if it's going to be above 95, then you better 
be above 110 on offense. How about this stat? Um, you know, I've been tracking fast break points. Yeah. Right? We mentioned a few weeks ago. We're definitely improving in that. We had 12 against Mason. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I thought we did pretty good against GW and St. Bonaventure. Uh, getting out in transition is so important for this team, and I still feel like we're not at our peak. You know, there were a few plays against Mason where we had a fast break, ended up with free throws. I hate that. If it's a three-on-one fast break, it needs to be a dunk every single time. Kwani Kwani ran over to Michael Bell and screamed at him, dunk that ball when he had a fast break opportunity because you never know what's going to happen at the free throw line. But if it's a three-on-one, also we got to be so unselfish to the point where you fake the layup and dump it back, right? Because, my goodness, we've also been blocked on fast breaks recently a ton. It's uh, I will add eight, fifteen, and twelve in the last three three games fast break points. So we GW we we, we did pretty well. Yeah. Um, to kind of kind of back up what uh, Caleb was saying about Torbic rating, and, and like I said, we can get in the whole like you know get in the whole rabbit hole. It's basically just like score. So it's like you know your your defense performed like this. If your defense gives up X amount of kind of it's not exactly points. It's more like if if your defense is a ninety five. Essentially, that's not good, which means your offense needs to be 110, which means it needs to be like really, really good. Yeah. And that that's just relying too much. It, it, you're expecting too much of your offense. That's kind of kind of what he's saying. So I was going to get back to the crap like home field advantage or home court advantage. Mm-hmm. Like I like the Richmond Good Life um, who tweeted at us. He was like, if you want an attendance renaissance, we'll have to come from another deep tourney run or a conference promotion. So when we were in college like the final four was like two years ago still like oh my god and then still like and like we're fresh to the a10 and now it's like 2011 was 13 years ago like the students were like in elementary school so it's not like the hype i I mean mason mason has that same issue they they mentioned it you know the freshmen at mason were not born when they went to the final four that's crazy that was 18 years ago i'm sure you all saw you probably saw that tweet but we're second in the conference in average attendance which is yeah. not really a huge surprise and it's over six thousand so we're still getting pretty good crowds even though it just has to play better season no, yeah, hasn't yeah. been we, we said, yeah it's not the crowd's fault it's mm-hmm. the, the players and the coaches need to execute better at home right so like yeah. i mean if yeah. we had beat bonnie's uh gw and mason yeah I, and we beat LaSalle, i can guarantee you that st louis game would be totally bonkers you know yeah my black and gold history game is a recent game. I'll, I'll let you guys know that. And the games after this game, the home games, it was thumping at the sequel center. So you, so we'll discuss that in a little bit. <laughs> All right, so the Rams will continue their road swing at LaSalle. Connor, get us started with a little preview of this game. Well, interesting about LaSalle. So uh, one and one in the A-10 so far. So last Wednesday they lost at a so common opponent. They played Mason at home last, last week. They were up by like eight at the half. Yeah. And then Mason kind of scorched them in the second half. Uh, but then they went to Fordham last Saturday up at Rose Rose Trail and, and got a win. So they're one and one. And we're recording this pod. Uh, it's about it's a little before six o'clock on Wednesday the tenth. And about an hour and some change, they play. They start a game at UMass. So they're one and one right now. By the time they pl- we play them, they'll either be two and one or one and two. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, LaSalle's an interesting team. You know, look, it, it's not the easiest place to recruit at and stuff. They got a great coach, Fran Dumfrey. Um, Dump is awesome. Caleb, I recall like a year ago saying you don't you know someone who knows Dump. Yeah, one of my good friends, his dad went to high school with him, grew up with him. 
Intelli. And uh, yeah, they're still really tight to this day. That's cool. I've um, always I've always liked Dumpf. He, he like I think we made a joke last year with Chris. He's looked sixty five years old for like twenty five years. Yeah. Just like <laughs> just the stash and everything. So yep. good dude, good dude. And but um, their old coach is calling games now, right? For at, the A ten. Uh, two coaches. Two, two coaches ago, yeah, because they had Ashley Howard for a few years. Oh, Doctor Giannini. Yeah, Doctor G is good. I love he's, him. He's good. I, I'll like him on you. He's pretty. He's good on the call. Yeah, yeah he, he yeah. knows the A ten too. He was sitting next to me before the game. I think it was the same. He did. He did. GW. Yeah. Dude, he he broke down our entire roster like better than I know. He, he knows who. He is still locked into the A10. He's wow. a doctor, man. Yeah. But um, LaSalle's <laughs> L- interesting. Um, so you know, you know, Fran comes here last year, year one. They finished 11th, but they you know they made the A10 quarters last year. They upset Duquesne and stuff. Uh, something interesting about LaSalle, their top six scorers are all only LaSalle guys, not transfers. I mean, you have Khalil Brantley, Baller, Jr., th- year three at LaSalle, Jameer Brickus. He's part of Trusty Gang. Is it Jam- Brickus? Yeah. Yeah, so and, and any of our listeners who are somehow not familiar with Trusty Gang, that's like <laughs> Ace, Bones, Jameer. Jameer, and I th- yeah, and Br- like Watkins and Jameer. Br- isn't Jameer Brickus part of it, too? Yeah. yeah. It's like so it's Baltimore I think to it's South like a ba- Jersey. Jersey, it's like a whole thing. I think yeah. they played in the same Delaware. AU organization. Yeah, it's something. a whole thing. So Jameer Brickus can hoop, but he's in his fourth year at LaSalle. And Anwar Gill, year four at LaSalle senior. Deshaun Shepard, year three, junior. Uh, I might butcher his name, Andres Marrero, redshirt sophomore, year three at LaSalle. And then, again, another uh, tough pronunciation, Rokas Jokish, yeah. uh, sophomore. All these guys have only been at LaSalle. So they don't have a, a, a influx of transfers like we do and stuff. So that's just kind of an interesting stat. Um, so LaSalle, like I said, they'll either be 2-1 and one or 1-2 one and two when we play them. Interesting fact, VCU has never lost at Tom Gold Arena. I believe we have either – it's. I have to look at it. It's either a four and over five and over record. We have never lost there, and this is the last year of the current ex- existence of it because they're doing a big renovation, getting rid of um, the pool downstairs. Yeah, the, the, the alleged <laughs> pool that's below the arena. It's like playing at Franklin Street. Yeah, but uh, I will say, you know, thank goodness this is a USA Network telecast because if this is an ESPN Plus telecast, we have no idea what would be in store. They had a game last year. I think it was Rhode Island where it was famous. It was a tie game late, <laughs> and Rhode Island had a possession, and the camera like didn't move, so you like didn't know what they oh did. They God. missed a shot. Yeah. Um, but it's like a, it's any A10 fans out there, you know, it's a joke. Like there's always something funny happening there. They're, they had that little fog machine, fog machine that like broke, so fog kept on coming through. So uh, it's always a fun game at Tom Gola. But hey, uh, they got, we got to be ready on Saturday. Did you see what happened before the Fordham Lasalle game on Saturday? That was at Fordham, but uh, yeah. it was uh, the 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 light, in, the the light, intro, show, light show the light got show. stuck on and no one <laughs> turned it for, like, for like ten minutes. And this is like a tel- this game was a telecast. It was yeah. US, it was it was the uh, the first leg of the USA Network tele- three triple header. So thank thank goodness we were the four o'clock game because I know the two o'clock game didn't come on air to like the, the twelve minute mark because the Fordham game <laughs> took too long. But uh, hey, it's a ten basketball. You know, it's always fun. So they're ten and five. Have they beaten anyone good? It doesn't look like it. They their ha- schedule's been weak for sure. Um, but I think that they're a pretty game opponent. I mean, they looked really good in the first half against Mason. So definitely not one to sleep on. Um, but yeah, I think it, you got to. Brickus and Brantley are the two guard yeah. two two guards you really got to watch. <clears throat> no, I remember Brickus Brantley and, and Anwar Gill playing well uh, last year. Jameer Brickus, I'm not a fan. Not a fan of the guy. I I call on this podcast last year. I called him chubby. Had to look it up. <sighs> He's 5'11", 205. He has like the biggest butt in college basketball, <laughs> and he uses it like a soccer player to get where he wants on the court, and then like kind of pushes I, you out of the way. He dominated with dribble penetration against VCU. He's got a sweet. 
kind of like old man's game. Yeah, he's like got him. a lot of touch around the hoop. Keeps his dribble alive. Yeah, yeah. He, and he can shoot well too. Put Nelson know, on tough. him. Put Nel- Put someone small like because yeah. he's the kind of guy who you could. Nelson might be too skinny for that butt. No, nah, but you gotta it, you gotta. I I use a quick guy. Keep him in front of him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Don't, don't let him beat you with penetration. He can hoop though. But hey, let's you know this is a a big time for VCU. You know we're one and two. You know, we get a week off next week. We don't We don't have another after the LaSalle Saturday. We don't have a home game until Friday, the second Friday, 10, 10 game against St. Louis. I mean, it's an opportunity to come back to the Siegel Center with two home games and be two and two. So it's an important huge, game. Yeah. Important game in North Philly this Saturday, 1230 USA Network. We need to be ready. Absolutely. And uh, I think for a VCU perspective here, um, we got to score better, right? I, I don't think we can fully rely on, on this being a lower scoring game like against Mason. Uh, we've got to start hitting some shots. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for is consistency on both sides of the ball, like I was saying. Um, I, I, would, I think it's very important that Sean Barristow has an, a good, a, a solid offensive game. You don't have to – don't even have to get 15 points, but let me see like an efficient 12. Yeah. Um, and have and, confidence and, to shoot, and, shoot and, that outside and shot. And Bamisil, give me like – give me another 12 off the bench. It's, yeah. just a, a, it's a huge spark. So you, you know what I want to see from Barristow, him, to make that Melvin Johnson push shot? Yeah, that, oh, the little floater. The, Mel- the yeah. Melvin? Yeah. The Melvin, yeah. The Melvin, yeah. We should be calling it the bear, right? But instead, it's not It's not going in right now. All right, let's hand it off to Connor Bailey for this week in VCU history. This week in VCU basketball history. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. Ram fans, you guys have come to know me pretty well. Uh, I tried not to use recency bias too much. I try. I mean, last week I had a game from 2011. Uh, a year ago, last January of 2023, I chose a game from 2001, the Bo Jones shot. I tried not to always just think of games in recent history. But this one was too sweet. Uh, this week and a year ago, January 13th, 2023, the first Friday 10 game of the A-10 season, VCU went to Dayton. Uh, final score was 63-62, VCU won. But what happened in that game is the crazy part. Uh, so coming to that game, VCU entered 12 and five overall, uh, three and one in the A10. Dayton entered 12 and five overall, four zero in the A10. Uh, and the the big thing for VCU, the last two games, we were money from the three point line before this Dayton game against Davidson at home. We won 89 to 72, shot 15 to 24 from three. Shriver, David Shriver was six eight. Uh, then we went to Chicago, beat Loyola Chicago 78 64. We're only four of eight from three in that game, but Shriver was three for three. So Shriver's humming coming into this game. Uh, like I said, Dayton entered 12 and 5, 4 and 0 and all for, overall, and had four easy wins in A10 play. Kind of just breezed through their games, double digits. Uh, so, first Friday 10 game, like th- this Friday, we have uh, D- Dayton and Duquesne. It was the same situation. 9 p.m. tip, and Dayton students had class starting the next week, so a lot of their students were back. We trailed 33 to 19 at the half. Did not play well in the first half, couldn't buy a bucket. It was frustrating. Uh, then the second half happened, and David Shriver came alive. And if you recall, that's the night when John Rothstein had a really funny tweet about chug six packs of beer in between timeouts <laughs> that's when shriver like came alive to came alive to college basketball uh so like i said 33 19 at the half uh 1650 to go shriver hits his first three it's 35 30 all of a sudden we, we start coming back 14 47 to go shriver second three now it's 40 to 37 dayton uh 14 minutes to go shriver hits his third three it's 42 to 40 dayton the closest it had been since six to four it was 42 40 shriver hits his fourth three at the 10 35 mark uh, at this point, the score is now 46-45 Dayton. So VCU cuts it to one at the, at the, at the 10-35 mark. Then Dayton kind of rallies. Kamara hits a big three right under eight minutes to go. It's 52-45 Dayton, so we're trailing seven. Shriver hits his fifth three to make it 54-50 to with 6.45 left. So under seven minutes to go, VCU down four. 
Uh, at this point, a couple of mi- uh, missed possessions by both teams. Dayton hits four free throws on d- two, two straight on two consecutive possessions. They're up 58-50 with 5.31 to go. Deloach gets one of two free throws. It's 58-51 with 5.13. Same kind of thing. A couple scoreless possessions. Uh, we reach the under four timeout. It's 3.36 to go. It's 58-51. Uh, Brandon Johns makes a really nice spin move on the next possession. Uh, Mustafa Amzil kind of tries to take a charge and like takes it, but they just don't call anything. So it's 58-53. Johns gets the buck at 3.25 to go. Then next possession, Kamar gets fouled, a couple free throws. It's 60-53. So keep in mind, 314 to go. Still down seven, just cannot quite get it. Uh, next possession, Johns Jr. backs down Amzil, makes a bunny. It's 60-55 at 251 to go. Uh, and then VCU gets a stop. Big big possession, down five, gets a stop. And then on an inbounds play, Johns Jr. gets another bucket to make it 60-57 with 206 to go. So that game, it was always called the David Traver game. Brandon Johns Jr. was kind of an unsung hero. Made some big buckets. Yeah, he, I mean, he did that all year long. If yeah, it was, it was huge. So next possession, VCU gets a steal down three. Kern gets a run out. This is the play, I, I'd kind of forgotten about it when I watched it at lunch today. This is the play where he went up for a layup, gets fouled, and the ball gets, uh, someone blocks it right where the rim was, and they reviewed it. The, 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 the belief was that it could have been uh, goaltending. It was one of those where it was like right at its pinnacle, and they blocked it. Dayton blocked it, so they ended up not calling goaltending. But Kern makes one or two free throws at 60 to 58, 140 to go. VCU plays great defense for 27 seconds on the next possession. Amzil throws up some like fadeaway piece of crap. It's an air ball, but out of nowhere, Tamani Kamaru kills VCU, and he's is he was that Sun or is he a Trailblazer? Who's he playing for? Trailblazer. He's in tra- the league. Trailblazer. He, he got yeah. drafted by the Suns. Sun's he's tra- on the yeah, he's been dogging. He like catches one out of nowhere and just puts it in the hoop, a little almost like an accidental alley oop. They're up sixty two to fifty eight with one oh nine to go. Backbreaker. We're all texting. Oh, this is over. That kind of thing. Next possession, Johns Jr. gets the ball stolen by Kamara. Kamara gives it to – I still call him Mongolian Mike. I, I struggle with his last name. Yeah. He's at San Francisco now, but he gets the ball with forty seven seconds left. Gets fouled. We're down four, 47 seconds left. They're shooting a front and one-on-one. Mongolian Mike misses it, so misses it. We get the ball back. Then Ace Baldwin has a miscommunication with Nick Kern, just kind of throws the ball right to the VCU bench to no one, essentially. 34 seconds left. We're down four. All right, buckle up, guys. So VCU calls a timeout, tries to get a – wants to get, like, a steal or something. Uh, we trap Mongolian Mike in the back – all the way back near VCU's, like, basket. He makes that awful pass, and Shriver, like a safety, just picks it off at midcourt, runs up there, shoots it. Makes his 6-3 to cut the lead 62-61 with 28 seconds left. So all of a sudden, Dayton's up four, trying to get fouled, trying to go to the line. All of a sudden, it's a one-point game, 62-61 with 28 seconds left. Uh, VCU calls a timeout to set up their defense. VCU trap then on the next possession, VCU traps Kamara at half court, loses the ball. Kern gets a layup. Kern, lay, or Kern gets a steal, runs on the court, gets a layup. VCU's up 63-62 with 16 seconds left. First lead since six to four. I mean, that is a. I remember sitting in my house, like jumping up and down, like, what is happening? Yeah. Uh, VCU calls their final timeout. Next possession, uh, excuse me, Dayton calls a timeout. Next possession, Kamara makes a bad pass in the inbounds, goes off Mongol- Mongolian Mike's foot, ball goes out of bounds. So VCU's up one with the ball, with a inbounds play. VCU calls a timeout. Jaden Nunn's foul, misses the front end of the one and one with 13 seconds left. Dayton dribbles the ball up court. They call a timeout with five seconds left. Last play call, Dayton calls a play for Kamara, who attacks the basket, off-balance shot. Great defense by Brandon Johns Jr. Yeah. Somebody else came over. I think Deloach got a piece of that. Yeah, and Deloach gets the rebound and starts running on the court. That was the third time in four years that VCU won by one point at UD Arena. An incredible game. It was the David Shriver game, 6 threes, all in the second half. Unbelievable finish. Do you um, remember the halftime score? 33-19. <sighs> So I watched it at uh, Alamo and Murph was, Murph was working. Yeah, I was. I went. I went to dinner earlier that night, but then I went home. I forget I'm, who else was there, but um, I wonder how I Alamo's. Wasn't it Vuck? Yeah, Alamo's bar scene's doing now without Murph. I haven't been slinging in, I haven't drinks, been in a while, but uh, it was crazy game. Fun fact: we were six of fifteen from three that night. Uh, Triver was six of eight. So <laughs> just jot that down. 
crazy stat line to Monty Kamara, who kicked our uh, butts. Yeah, I, I for know years. where this is going. 27 points, 11 rebounds, nine turnovers. Yeah. Just a funky stat line. Yeah. Uh, the big one. But uh, that was that was a huge game for us because you know we were four and, we were three and one that put us at four and one we won three more to get to seven and one and lost the bottom metric then had that little two and two rough stretch in the middle of the season then went on a big win streak but, but that's when they turned into road warriors I that mean, was when like was, okay we can they play galvanized each we, other. we went eight and one on the road oh, we won our last eight we lost to Duquesne early and then won our last eight road games so um, a big win in VCU history one of the craziest comebacks I've witnessed specifically a game I haven't like I've seen some crazy comebacks at home crazy road comeback the David Shriver game. Give it a look on YouTube. Give our friend Miss a chill some love. Are you going to throw out there uh, the points per game thing? Oh, okay. Because this is so recent, I feel like we should all nail this. Okay, so there was one other – I'll say Shriver had 18 points. And he had one other uh, double-digit score. Do you know who it was? Brandon Johns. So, yeah, I, I kind of alluded to that. He was an unsung here at 16 points. Yeah. Uh, the next guy up had nine. Jaden Kern. Nunn. Kern, yeah. Kern had nine points, th- uh, three rebounds, and uh, two assists. Jaden Nunn. Do, 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 do. He only had four points. He was kind of quiet in that game. I missed the free throw late. How um, about uh, Jameer Watkins? Uh, three points. Just didn't do much. And then Let me it, guess Ace had eight. Ace had six points, four assists, three turnovers. Like I said, he, he just kind of – he just – yeah. He struggled that good game. Good defense. Yeah, a good team. But yeah, um, yeah so it's uh it, it it was a fun game, man. Six of We put Ace on Kamara a lot that game. That's we did. probably why he turned the ball over so much. Yeah, it was it was a fun win. Interesting um, matchup. Crazy win at UD Arena. Definitely my favorite game that, of last season. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. that was, was some the some true VCU magic in what makes our, being our, a fan uh, of VCU so fun. It yeah. was amazing. Our friends at the three bid league, I'm pretty sure they they did like end of the year and end, end of the regular season voting, and that was like easily voted as the game of the year. So yeah. I mean, Shriver, dude. He um, shout out to Randy, right there. Shout out Randy Shriver. I think it was after that game is when we had him on the. I think we that's when he left his voicemail. It was right after that because that's when dude Shriver, like in the first half of the A ten play last year, he was shooting like fifty seven percent from three. Yeah. Right. Ended up getting down to like forty three because he just like eventually couldn't shoot. You six think we're gonna 10. see Kwani Kwani with the same thing? I mean, he struggled at the beginning it, of the season. Now is, he's hot. Uh, I think he's. I think I saw he's like thirteen for. Fi- <laughs> no, it couldn't be that. It's like eleven for fifteen though. In, it's in something crazy. A ten play. It's uh, he's oh, uh, quantity. He's four or five in a ten a ten play from three. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So uh, no crazy finish at UD Arena. Uh, David Shriver chugging six packs of beer in between timeouts. I love it. <laughs> All right, now it's time for a Wad's energy. It's time for a Wad's energy. What about VCU Hoops has AWOT pumped up for this week? I mean, my energy's all about the first road win of the season, the first true road game, getting a win. Uh, you guys know if you listen to my show, AWOD Radio on the Fan, 12 to 3, Monday through Friday. I, I was born and raised in Fairfax, Virginia. I went to Jim Laranega basketball camp every single year, got a picture with him in the studio, and also featured in that photo is Tony Skin, who was on the Final Four squad. Now the head coach of George Mason. I love that he's in charge. I also love that, hey, we've got two of our own Final Four guys on the staff in Bradford Burgess and Darius Theus. I mean, I was just so fired up for that game. Uh, it felt so good to be back in Eagle Bank Arena. That's where I graduated high school. I know you guys probably uh, all graduated at the Seagull Center. So that, you know, that building means something to me. I used to watch a bunch of high school basketball games there, college uh, as well. I love that arena. It feels so good to get a win there. And uh, so that's what my energy is about. I just 
felt so good to win that game. We've been losing so many heartbreakers. But now we broke Mason's hearts. And I will tell you, uh, of my friends that work for By George covering George Mason, there's three of them. Uh, we were talking before the game. We're all going to go out for drinks. They were so upset. They didn't even pick up my phone call. And the one guy that did was screaming, VCU's mid and we still lost, damn it. So <laughs> I, it just made me so happy. Yeah, I love to hear that frustration. Sorry to... Sorry to beat the team that you have such a soft spot for, but it's totally understandable. No, I want us to beat them. There, yeah. there will never be a VCU-Mason game where I root for Mason, but there's going to be Mason games against other teams where I'll root for Mason. I appreciate that clarification, but from my perspective, it was great to beat them. Uh, and, you know, th- their fans are mad. They're, 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 they feel like that we're just some lowly little team now, this season at least, and uh, it's good to put them back in their place. The four of us here, none of us have little brothers. Uh, you know, we, uh, three of us have little sisters. I have a twin sister. But you hear the term little brother sometimes. George Mason's, are, they are our little brother. They always will be our little brother. <laughs> and that's just how it is. I, mean, I don't make the rules. It's just how it is. And that's all I got to say about that. I love how somebody said on Twitter, they're the monster hiding under the bed. And I quote tweeted it, come out and play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I graduated Villanova PD. Pavilion. Where'd you go? graduate caleb uh no we did it on the uh lawn at the school how would you feel about uh jmu where you went to college that was before that was before the mason final four when you graduated i I was rooting for radford against jmu so it improved vcu's metrics i'll put it that way oh so jmu JMU means nothing to you i mean i love the school i just never really i mean i watch the football team i'll root for them i just never really really got into it football uh, team national championship yeah VCU A-10 title. A-10 title, no doubt. <laughs> I like that. Um, I like that! Oh, you have national, national championship? Yeah. If we're making the tournament, then I might go national championship. <laughs> like, if, if, we're, if, we're, if we get an auto bid on lock, then maybe I'll I'll just let that happen. But, nah, seriously, I, um, I just have been VCU since I was – before I could really remember. All right, probably since you were, like, two. Yeah, less than that. This but, is uh, yeah. <laughs> since since the NIT game in '88, when BCU beat Southern Miss, when apparently Big Mike drank so many cokes that night, he, he had to go to the bathroom every single time out, according to my dad and brother. So ever since then, I, that's a that? fan. Totally uh, believe that. '88. <laughs> what about you? For you, Connor, what do you say? '94, '95. No, I mean in real. I, I went to some games at the Coliseum way back in the day. So the first game at the at the Seagull Center was against Louisville on my seventh birthday, '99. I, I definitely went to the Coliseum either the, the second last year or the last year so 97 98 but really it's a single center is what, what my real memories are yeah i remember the coliseum quite well kendrick warren was like my first the first star Hooper, that i remember and it was yeah. that was awesome i love that i love going down uh memory lane here on the black gold fan podcast and affiliate of the new sports radio 910 the fan now at 105 one fm you can always tweet us your thoughts or send us a voicemail at black gold fan pod and this one comes uh, from a longtime listener, John. Let's take a listen. Hey guys, John here, class of 2016. Wanted to get your guys' thoughts and opinions on a couple topics. Uh, the first of which, do you guys, given the current landscape of college basketball and how you see it evolving, do you think that VCU will be a program that primarily brings in guys through the transfer portal? Or do you see them continuing to bring in some high school guys every year and being more of that developmental program uh, that I was a little bit more used to during my years in Richmond Um, and kind of bouncing off the transfer portal? I was hoping you guys could shed some light to the listeners on what the NIL situation is with the program at the moment. 
like how many guys on this current team are receiving NIL money and what amounts of NIL money could they be receiving uh, and the efforts of the of the school to remain competitive in that space. Um, and if you guys also wanted to give your thoughts on conference realignment and if you see in the future VCU potentially jumping to another conference uh, such as the Big East, uh, despite the fact they don't meet some of the criteria of the current schools, but if you ever see that happening in the future as the landscape of conference realignment continues to shift. Uh, thank you guys for uh, for having me on. Honored to share the airwaves with an esteemed group of Rams fans such as yourselves uh, and look forward to continuing following the season. Thanks, guys. Yeah, great voicemail. A lot of really, really good questions, and I think that we could probably have an episode for each one of them. Um, but I will try and be succinct and answer a few of them. I think that going forward, uh, roster construction uh, is going to be a blend. I think that, you know, obviously getting this guy Brandon Jennings locally from St. Chris looks like a really good signing after they beat John Marshall the other night, who has not lost locally since 2019. Um, I think that, you know, he, he's, he's, a really, he's just a really well-rounded player um, that should make a pretty quick impact on the team. But I think that you have to build through the portal right now, um, especially after you're going to lose a few seniors. Um, and I, I can't wait to see what Ryan Odom does in the portal. I also think that Europe is still on the table big time with him. Uh, there's a little uh, NIL caveat to that. I don't know what the rules are exactly, but I don't think that European players can collect NIL money, so they're much less likely to get poached by Power 5 programs. I don't know if that's 100% true, but that's what I've heard. Um, so, yeah, and uh, NIL questions, I, I honestly I cannot speak to amounts. I think that every player on this roster has some sort of NIL deal, whether it be through, through Synergy Technical. Um, I, I've even seen the SPCA. Um, I, you know, and Rodney Ashby, uh, he played for VCU back in the 90s. He's spearheading all of those efforts. Um, if you have donated to the NIL – um, he sends like an email each week and kind of gives you a recap on everything. And they do a pretty good job staying in touch. Um, I can say personally that I have donated to the NIL, and I don't know how my money was spent. So I, to me, I don't care. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to help the team, and I hope that, uh, you know, a lot of the – you know, I, we need boosters, obviously, especially with this athletic village coming down the pike. But, um, you know, we, we, we also got to – we got to support the NIL, and uh, I think the VC is going to have to get, get a little creative and cutting edge, and that's something that they typically do. And it's called Havoc Unlimited Collective, just to get that out there. Right. That's correct. So, uh, sorry, I got a little wordy on no, that. No, good but, answer. Um, good answer. Definitely good answer. Uh, to back up what you were saying, I'll start with what Caleb was kind of saying. Uh, John, first off, my former teammate, thanks for the uh, thanks for the voicemail. Uh, very good uh, thought-out voicemail. Uh, but to Caleb mentioned Synergy Technical, SBCA. I recall Jalen Deloach last year had a deal with Home Team Grill, um, of all places, oh, yeah. our, uh, our watering hole. And Ace had that one with Tommy's Car Wash where he lost the free throw shooting Yeah, contest. Yeah, that was kind of funny. And looking back. Roosevelt has that, like, men's. Men's. It's not yeah. men's. It's a, it's a local. like that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so but, uh, yeah, there's some deals out there. Yeah, get, get your money. Um we, we mentioned high school players. Brandon Jennings, I actually saw him at the GW game on Saturday. Yeah, he's he was, sitting right behind he was, us. He was the teammates. Yeah. He's, um, he's been right in this studio sitting in Chris's seat when I interviewed him after he signed. Let's go. Wow. Yeah, uh, he knows a good spot. <laughs> to, 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 I'll, I'll start with that question. To answer John's question, I, 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 it's, it's always going to be a mix. Um, there's going to be high school kids. Caleb mentioned international guys. My understanding is if you're not a U.S. citizen, 
that's where nil i don't think you can qualify it's something to do with like working i, I like a visa I, I, type I, yeah money. i remember i remember yeah. dayton fans saying several times last year uh tamani kamara is i believe he's from belgium yep because he, he, he played at georgia for two years but I, I, there was questions it was like oh would he use his COVID year at a, a big time school and get nil money and all the dayton fans are like he's going to the nba or stand a day like he's not going to go just because nil so that's that's something to keep in mind and, and i think i think odom has a pipeline from umbc to utah state to now bcu of international players so i will say that's a possibility uh conference realignment you know we can again that's a that's a topic you could spend hours on there was those kind of half-assed reports about uh about us and the american but i think it was like a memphis super fan saying that about the american conference looking at vcu because they were they were losing smu to the acc but added an army so they wanted a basketball only so that's a possibility um again i mean conference realignment i mean it's every single day we learn something new i think that well, we're going to see what's going to happen with the ACC. I don't think it's sustainable the way it's currently set up with all these West Coast editions and stuff. Stinks. I think there's going to be some major fallout. And I don't really, you know, VCU doesn't match up with the ACC schools in terms of forming some sort of new conference. But however the new conferences look after that, I mm-hmm. think that VCU could find a spot there. So there's a lot a lot of dominoes that'll fall. Yeah, Big East-wise, like, there's three things like why we're not we're kind of in georgetown's territory we're not good enough basketball recently like we've made once one second weekend ever and academically like not as good as like the other schools yeah i I don't think vcu changes conferences unless realignment goes to the next level which it probably will so what i'm saying is like there's going to be other movement before vcu makes a move oh totally it'll be a domino situation no doubt yeah Absolutely. But, uh, you know, also back with um, how we're going to kind of recruit and do things, I kind of think that VCU with under Ryan Odom wants to have one or two, maybe even three big name high school signings, get a lot of momentum from there, and then transfer portal, and then maybe international. Yeah, I think, I think that's what it's going to be. I think that he's made it very clear that he's emphasizing recruiting locally, too. Yeah. He wants, uh, you know, a strong connection with the local market with the recruits. Um, is, and I, go ahead. is Brandon Jennings on team loaded or whatever the, AA uh, he, I think, s- I'm not sure to be honest with you. I think okay. so. I think so. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, he's on one of the best AU teams and, um, right. Yeah. yeah. Actually. Yeah. I, th- I think he is because I think team loaded Virginia played team loaded North Carolina and he had a big st- steal at the end to seal the game. Um, nice. there's a, there's a team for each state. Just, yeah, FYI. All right, let's get to our final thoughts. I- I'll start with um, loved my vantage point of watching the game yesterday. It was a little frustrating sitting next to our, our buddy Zach Joachim. P1 loves this podcast. He's going to be <laughs> one of the first ones to download it. Uh, shout out to Zach. But we couldn't see anything the first half because the VCU coaches were standing up and screaming right in front of us. But it also gave us the ability to hear some things. Uh, shout out to Coach Matt Henry. He was losing his mind and uh, Zach said that one of the refs told him, uh, told Ryan Odom to contain Matt, or I guess he would get a technical. I, I turned right to Zach. I said, I am a fan of Coach Henry now for the rest of his life. He was putting the team on his back by letting everyone know we were not going to lose this game because of defense. He was screaming at every single person for any little defensive mishap, and I loved it. At one point, he took his glasses off. I'll take my glasses off right now and scream because, of, I mean, I was just so fired up. He got me fired up. And uh, one of the guys at um, at the game who covers Georgetown and George Mason was like, oh, that's the same Coach Henry that was at Georgetown. 
He didn't have that personality at Georgetown. He's got more confidence now here at, at Odom's staff, and uh, I just thought it was awesome. I mean, what, did it look crazy like that on TV? I didn't notice that, but okay. I see it every game, every home game, which we've had plenty of does, so far. He does pump it up a lot. Uh, yeah, and I, 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 you painted a perfect visual with him taking off the glasses because yeah. he does that all the time. Um, it is a rule that only one coach can be standing at a time, uh, and Matt Henry just totally <laughs> ignores that. Well, the oh, refs didn't fine. follow the rules of basketball. Of the game. I mean, how many times I mean, did a guy dribble off his foot? Or they called a, a uh, foul yeah. when we went straight vertical, and that's yeah. when he like completely lost his mind. One point, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's kind of like I don't know if y'all saw all the hoopla from Marquette, but Shaka was like on the floor, and it's, Nor- it's Northern just, had a whole report about it on yeah, CBS. It's just one of those rules that's not really enforced, but if it becomes a major problem, they can call a technical. Yeah, um, but yeah, like you're saying, I love Coach Henry. Um, I think he's he's got a big hand in everything that we're doing so but uh yeah my energy is just or last thought is just be consistent both sides of the ball this team's gonna get better final thought a little celebration time you know beginning of this pod i i broke the news of nick saban how about our boy vince williams as of about 10 or 15 minutes ago memphis grizzlies guard forward vince williams is expected to sign a new three-year 7.9 million guaranteed contract williams the 47th overall pick out of vcu in 22 is believed to be getting the most guaranteed money coming off a two-way deal I mean, Love he totally that. deserves it. So. He's been playing so well. I saw highlights of him the other day. Uh, it kind of seems like he's getting garbage buckets that he got at VCU. Like, he runs the floor. They give it to him. He makes a layup. You know, somebody else gets to the paint, dribble, penetrates. He's open for three, knocks it down. You know, he's just such a great role player. He's, uh, he's a baller. He is. I mean, his defense has been incredible. I saw the NBA has so many crazy stats I'm super jealous of. But, um <laughs> But I, I, I just don't – you can't access these stats that some guys have. But, like, his rim protection rate in the last, like, 90 seconds of games is, like, tops in the league. It's a crazy stat, but also awesome. Vince Williams, that guy knows how to win. So, yeah, I'm happy for him. I, I learned it because my dad sent me a text, like, 10 minutes ago and said, hey, Connor – he always says Connor. Like, I, like, I don't know who's texting <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, Connor – Vince Williams just signed a $79 million contract with Memphis. And I saw the tweet, $7.9 million, Dad. That's a big payday yeah, for more, more than we have, but a digit wrong, Pops. So, yeah. But, yeah, that, that's my final thought. Yeah, I have a hot take. That's my final thought. Um, I'm not into regular season A-10 results. Like, you guys are riding the roller coaster like, oh, we suck, CBI. And then, oh, we're back. We beat George Mason. Like, I'm just like – Who's you Every, guys? It's, no, it's me. I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, the, like, the I, group I, chat. That, yeah. So what are you tech, into? You so, are into so, Brooklyn. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm saying ever since we lost to Memphis and um, Norfolk State, it's like, okay, we have no shot. Like, I'm not getting up and down with the results, really. Just I'm all about wait till Brooklyn, just continuing to get better, get better at defense, figure out rotations. If they lose, oh, well, it's not like we're blowing our at-large bid like Dayton or St. Joe's did already. So it's just kind of like – and it all, I don't really care if they win or lose. Just wait till Brooklyn get hot late February. I agree with you yeah. there. Show me Brooklyn. But like we talked about last week, you got to be a top what seven four. seed to even have a chance. Yeah, right? yeah, mathematically yes. Right, but you got to so, be top four to really give yourself a chance. I, that's I what I, I mean, thought. But his stats told me five and six well, have done better. There's two six seeds that have won, right? Yeah, but like Slew and, and, and VCU won it as a five. Correct. Yeah. We were also that, that we were, that was we were like an at large team. We were yeah. an at large. We were going to make the tournament team. either way. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not concerned about but seeding. I, I, Chris, I wish I could do that. I get, I get too excited. The highs are too high, the lows are too low. I gotta He's be a, a little junkie, more. You know? I gotta be a little more medium, like you. Yeah. yeah, and speaking of Brooklyn, I'm putting together my live shows right now. 
uh, during the week of the A-10 tournament, and I'd love to get all of us together for a live Black and Gold fan podcast. So if, if the lucky. listeners if listeners are, are coming to Brooklyn, let us know. Hit us up on social media, Black Gold Fan Pod. I'm Adam Epstein. You've been listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast featuring Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, Chris Mason, and myself. Go Rams, go. We appreciate you listening to the show. And shout out to River City Roll. <laughs> <laughs>